Amen. I want to thank Barry Paul again for two uh, for Wednesday week ago, ministering on Wednesday. What a blessing that was, and I really appreciate that. Let's talk about lordship this morning. I believe it's a real important thing to get straight in our lives. Matter of fact, everything else that we do, we can get caught up in the doing of it, the giving, the serving, the uh, Bible study, the prayer. But if we do it away from lordship, we, we are absolutely on the edge of works. And it's by grace that we're saved. And we have to, we have to go back to its lordship, its grace that has set us apart. And lordship is so valuable. Um, we were talking this week about, and even this morning, about divine order and how essential it is for you and I as believers to know our place. To know our place. I'm not a worm anymore. Y'all a worm anymore? I was raised to be a worm. And our, our, uh, our pastor, he might not have said worm, but he said everything but worm. And we knew that we were not worthy of anything, that everything that we had that was good was just God throwing out some crumbs to the worms. But now we know that's not so, that we have a covenant of grace. But divine order is messing up our society. I mean, the lack of divine order. We see a lot of marriages collapsing. I, I told you last week that I am I'm just amazed by people that are just living together without a covenant. And it's not even and they're Christians and they're not and they're not even like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. They're not embarrassed at all. They're just they're just all but flaunting it. That was unthinkable in my day. And just it, we just it just couldn't happen. Uh, we had a in our Baptist church, we had a a, a deacon's daughter. Uh, became pregnant out of wedlock, and the deacon, as soon as he found out on Thursday, he called the deacon's meeting, and he resigned because of the, the he just didn't have control of his family. Well, you wouldn't think about that anymore. Nobody thinks about that. It's like, ah, we're getting another one, and, and he'll or she'll get married soon. Well, that's just, I'm bringing that up just to say, we don't understand order anymore, and so the world is in chaos. Why is the world in chaos? Well, it's the devil. Well, the devil doesn't affect us directly. He affects us through things like this where we get out of order and we don't know our place. So you and I, we could go over to Psalm 8 and find out that we are made a little lower than God, just a dab lower than God, and uh, they, that we are divinely situated and, and set in. So uh, we are pressing to put Jesus, to install Jesus as Lord of our life. Everything that, that I know of that I messed up in, that I've had consequences in my life that I did not like, it's I look back and I didn't ask the Lord what to do about it. Y'all know what assumption is? It's the lowest form of knowledge. It is just not much. And I, everything I've ever done, just assuming the Lord would be in that, it burned me. It, bite, it bit me. How about y'all? You understand what I'm saying. But when you ask him and give him a day or two to get back to you on that, it'll help your life a lot. Well, that's lordship. And we, we get in there where we say, I can't make that decision. You know, a, a, a teenager would, somebody said, yeah, I'm going to give you a job. And they say, well, I have to ask my dad or has, I have to ask my mom or or whatever the decision be. There's lordship there. There's a stewardship there. In Ephesians 3.20, I'm going to just slip over there because I'm so, as you are, 
I'm so excited about this scripture. It just describes so much of my life here lately. It says, unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask, think, or imagine. That's my life. How about you? It's just, it's just like, God, you've just topped it out. It can't get better. And then he surprises us with his goodness and comes up with something else that we never thought could be or should be. It's amazing. There is no end to this. It is days of heaven on earth. And we have, we've got to loose him to do more with our lives. We all pigeonhole ourselves to say, I'm just a little this and I'll just do a little that. My life is just this and it'll just be that. And we just got to loose ourselves that if, if you like or regard Oral Roberts or Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland or Billy Graham, that all of these people were just like us. No different. No special Moses call and, and then a little uh, thing in the river. No, nothing. They were just folks that got picked out. I wonder if the gifts and the calling that are without repentance is not in this room and that we're all called to more than what we're doing or seeing. I wonder if there's any apostles in this room, any prophets in this room, certainly uh, pastors, evangelists. I wonder what's in this room. And we would have to just let the Lord have his way with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I hope you have a star around this verse. It's, uh, let's see, that's 2 Corinthians. Verse, uh, let's go to 19 this time, go back a little bit. It says, uh, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Let's point to ourselves and say, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now that makes you pretty special right there. Which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Let's say that to ourselves. You are not your own. Again, you are not your own. So you're not the boss of me. Michael, you are not the boss of you. He is the boss of me. That's lordship, and that's where it begins. And it says, for ye are bought with a price. I am bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. I'm not my own. It's a big change in life. It's a big perspective. There's divine order all throughout the kingdom. We were talking this morning about angels and their place in that and, and the husband and the wife's place and all that. All of that is designed not to put us under bondage or to bind us, but to loose us. The principle of the kingdom is, is you're only over as much as you're willing to be under. So if you're a rebel, if you're a, if you're a don't, you can't tell me what to do type of person, you're not going to have much authority over devils, tornadoes, floods, lack, loss of job, diseases, you're going to be powerless until you come under. And I have set my life, just as a personal testimony, to be under people, to set myself under, uh, to, be, uh, to humble myself under men that I consider great, but just uh, uh, other people. I, many years ago, when I went into the ministry, my father was not what I considered spiritual. He was more than I thought. What more than I knew. And so uh, he said, uh, Michael, you, you're going into the ministry. He didn't like that because I was farming with him. And he said, uh, don't sell your farm. Don't sell your equipment. I said, Dad, I got to. 
I, I'm in the ministry. I didn't want to appear like I hadn't burned my bridges, that I was, that, that was one reason I couldn't get a mobile home, is because I thought people would say, yep, he didn't take the wheels off his mobile home, so he, if this doesn't work out, he's leaving. I wanted to get so divested of anything that looked temporary, so I said, Dad, I'm going to sell my farm. He said, ah, listen, I'll farm it for you. That's a big deal. He said, I'll farm it for you, and then at the end of the year or maybe two years, if you still want to do it, then you can do whatever, but I'll farm it for you. And I all but looked at him and said, you're not spiritual. I'm spiritual. Well, a few years ago, not too many ago, I went to him and said, you were so spiritual, <laughs> and I was so carnal, so didn't have a clue, so full of self, so had the plan of God, so prideful, so of myself. If I had done what you said, I would have still had the farm, and the farm would have been turning me $10,000 every year, and none, and none, and none. But yet, and yet. Do you all know what I'm talking about? So I, I jumped out of my father's counsel, even though because I didn't think God could use a donkey. Now, I'm not calling my dad a donkey, but I'm saying he can use anything to speak to you and get you straightened out, and he did, and he would. But I went off on my own way, and I had to sell my tools. I had to, I had to, I had to humble myself all the way to the ground to just squeak through that season of life. And then another time, I, we had a, a house. It was a really nice house for Seminole. And, uh, you know, we, the, we were about to lose the ministry because we, just, we were just starting out, and I didn't know anything. We didn't do anything uh, bad, but it just, wasn't, it just wasn't paying the bills. And so we sold our house. We had $30,000 equity in it. We sold our house and moved over to another house that I despised. I just, this thing was a doghouse. This thing was pitiful. The, the fireplace was painted blue. It was just, and it was, it was everything I didn't like about it. And then uh, just story after story that every time I had victory, it's when I just stepped back and, uh, and asked God. When I was just starting out, I asked, the, I, had a, I said, uh, my house didn't sell. I wanted to buy this house in Seminole. My house in Seagraves wouldn't sell, just wouldn't sell. And so my dad came to me and he said, uh, Listen, I got some money. I'll buy your house. I'll pay what you need to move into this other one. I'll buy it. And as soon as you sell it, just pay me back. And I'm telling you, I was so full of self, I said, uh, I don't think so, Dad. God, God's big. You're little, but you got money, but God's got more money. But nothing was happening. So I called a friend of mine in uh, Clovis, New Mexico, Bud Queener, and I said, would God use my father who regards doesn't regard god or man he said absolutely dummy get that check and go and go get so i did and got then right after that the house sold and paid him back and everything we lived happily ever after and i'm i'm making a kind of an off the subject point that lordship is more than just lifting your hands and bringing the tithe in and saying god i'll do what you want me to do Lordship is doing what we do in the natural realm as well. Brother Hagen used to say, I go, by as, I go by as much what God doesn't say as what he does say. Sometimes you don't get a change of direction, and you, I've steered off and just went off and said, you know, he's not talking about this, so he's no help. God's no help. I mean, I didn't say that, and he can't read your mind, of course. <laughs> and so I would go off and do something. 
Well, the answer would show up just a little bit later that if I'd been where I was and just held on, it would have turned out amazing. But instead, I had to go around the long... Do you all know what I'm talking about? And I've had a good life. I've, I hadn't had the troubles that people have had, and this is... It's amazing that I've come back around uh, as well as I have considering the things that I've done, and I know these are nothing compared to what people have done. I'm just saying... It's never too late to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Talk is cheap. Uh, the word Lord Jesus or Lord Jesus Christ is used 119 times in the New Testament. It's a big deal. Making him Lord and stepping back from your own life and saying, Lord, I'm gonna, I am bought with a price and I'm not doing anything without your permission and even your, uh, your calling on my life. And uh, I don't make you just my Savior, I'm making you my Lord. Are y'all working on that with me all the time? Is submitting me coming under him? Well, you can't have a happy marriage unless he's the Lord of your life. There's just not that much brains in the house to do it on your own. It just, there's just too many unknowns. And then you, if, you're, if you're a rebel in the, in the family, in your marriage, either husband or wife, then your children pick up on that. God doesn't use rebels, even if the children are right. And you know, when you were growing up, there was times that you got accused of something, and it turned out you were right. But it didn't matter. God was right, and your parents were right, even though they were wrong, because God never uses rebellion in any form. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6. This is the scripture that I was looking for last week. Praise God. And could not find it. Well, it was in the Bible all along. Amen. Chapter 6, verse 36, 46, excuse me, 46. A simple story, but it has to do with lordship. You know, what we're doing here is just emphasizing that it's not how many times you confess a scripture. It's not how big your offerings are. It's not how many times you go to the nursery or, or whatever we do is a matter of living unto the Lord. If there's not lordship over it, it's just vain works. It's just trying to do something to please God when really all he wanted to do it be is the Lord of your life. Amen. Verse 46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So right there we have a big statement about what lordship is. It's waiting on him. The Lord Jesus, you know, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. He backed up. You know, he had a lot of smarts, and he was spiritual, and he was the Son of God in a, in a sense of, of his entitlement. But even then, he didn't presume or assume that he could do it without the Father's approval. So what's the hurry? What's the hurry? to doing it your way, my way. Let's step back and see if the Lord will have an opinion on it. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Then he goes on and explains that. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings. So he's going to instruct us. He's going to give us things to obey. Who cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now listen for the blessing. He is like a man which built a house. Or lived his life and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock on a rock and when the so the Lord's gonna he's gonna instruct us or lead us to build our life on a rock did you hear that 
That's the stream beat vehemently upon that house or that life and could not shake it. Here we have the good life of making Jesus Lord that in this regular flesh and blood life, when we make him Lord, the, the trials of life, the storm cannot, could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. When Jesus is Lord, your life is founded on the rock and it cannot be shaken because we're hid in him. But he that heareth and doeth not, he is a rebel. It's not in the scripture, but you just know he's a rebel because he heareth and then decides. He decides to rebel. It didn't just happen. I, I don't know how that vase fell on the floor. I, it must have been the dog or something. No, you did it. Uh, he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth. Uh, one translation says the sand against which the same stream of life did beat vehemently and immediately nothing ever works. Immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So there you have the difference between lordship and being a rebel saved. Saved, yes, yes, ma'am, I'm saved. Got Jesus in my life, I'm born again, still be a rebel. Saved on the inside, but Jesus is not Lord of this life. We just got fire insurance. It's just not any difference. So the quality of life down here is not whether you tithe, it's not whether you serve, not whether you read the Bible. All those things are certainly important, but it's whether it's what you do with Jesus. It's where he is in your perspective of the future. Is he the mainstay? Is he the, is he the beacon of light? Is he the only way you're going to go? We're not going until we say him. You can't, be, you can't marry somebody that's not a believer. But I love her, and she's sweet, and she, she pets me, and it feels so good. And, and I like the way she looks, but she's not born again. But I want her. Lordship says you either got to get her born again or you got to pass. Y'all hear this? You know, or I, yeah, I want this or I want to do that. Well, if it's against the word, it's, it's against lordship. This is lordship right here. The word of God is lordship. It means, as we've looked in other times, that he is the owner and has the power to depose. In other words, he has the final say in everything. That's lordship. We're all operating on some degree from, of, from the one extreme of I am absolutely in charge of my life. I don't ask nobody about anything to completely submitted to him. I pray about everything and I don't move until I hear. Amen. So we're all in some degree moving towards that. And the motivation for that is that what a good life I have when I let him steer, choose, make a way prepare a way. Sometimes we hear the will of God. I've done it many times. I hear the will of God, but I'm in a hurry. He can't tell me anything in advance because if I hear it, I think it's today. So I run out there and do it today and I'm ahead of schedule. He hadn't prepared the way. We haven't got prayer going to open things up and to shut things down and make it work. So there I am. The bus didn't come until two o'clock and I'm there at 12 o'clock, and it doesn't work. 
Life isn't mean. It's just that we don't have Jesus as Lord. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I, the Lord, have overcome the world. And that's how it is. Uh, let's look at some lordship mechanics. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. The devil, the world, the flesh is such a mean and unforgiving taskmaster. It will demand and demand and demand of you. It will promise to please and satisfy and always leave you empty. Did I say it will always leave you unsatisfied and frustrated? You in charge, me in charge will never satisfy us. We don't even get the satisfaction of saying, I did it my way. It's just, it never satisfied. What satisfies is when Jesus directs and we follow and he gets all the glory. We are somehow, it's, it's, a, it's a converse thing, we are somehow very satisfied we did it. Amen? We're all working on that. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, How to get born again, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. It's that word that means totally in charge, owner, nobody else is uh, on, the, on the deed. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The implication there in that little phrase is raised him from the dead for me and paid for me and paid off my sin and made a way where there was no way. That man shall be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Man's righteousness is as filthy rags. So we believe unto his righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here's the mechanics. Number one. The number one mechanic is in John 10, 10. Jesus said what? He said, I have come that you might have life, the God kind of life, the Zoe life, life as God lives it, and have it to the overflow. That is the mechanics of heaven. What is God offering to you and I when we make Jesus uh, Lord? What's his side of the deal? I will give you life on earth as it is in heaven. That's a legal promise. It's not, a, it's not a vital promise. You have, to, you have to do your side, but the legal side is, is you've been empowered. I've been, I've, been, I've been set up. I'm in the will, as it were. I'm on the document that says this man, this woman, has the right to have an awesome life. Amen? That's the mechanics of his side of lordship. Uh, it's a life of excellence. No suffering. I have no use for people that want to suffer for Jesus. We should suffer when we commit sin. We should suffer in our sin. We should, we, should, uh, we should bring ourselves to absolutely identify with that sin. And what an abomination and what a, what a, uh, a, a displeasure that we have done unto ourselves and to the Lord. But then we receive the refreshing life of, 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 of forgiveness and restoration and we're free. But there's no suffering for God. Jesus suffered for us. Y'all help me if you can. He suffered. He did all the suffering. So you can't suffer and do without in order to get healed. So uh, the other side of this, this provision or this mechanic is that God has promised us a life of well-being. If Jesus is Lord, you're in his lordship, 
He's not going to send you to Africa or the Philippines against your will. If you sign up for be a missionary, it's because you're excited. You've had the calling and the and the uh, the gift and the calling that's without repentance, and you can't wait to go. And Mama can't talk you out of it. It's not like I signed up to be Jesus to be Lord, and it got bad after that. It's not so. It's not so. He's only got good for you. The second side of this uh, mechanics of lordship is that now our side is, is we're to submit to the lordship of Jesus and do everything he says. Could you say everything with me? Everything. Well, I need a little room. I'm, I'm used to having, you know, being pretty good. Lordship is everything. It's the, it's the check that empties out your account. You sign it, and it, it empties out. All you. I get to choose who I marry and that I vote on Sundays and that I know everything. Well, if I do that, I'll never get to have fun again. Lie. That's the lie. And that's why people are afraid, because they say, if I surrender, he will brutalize me. He will cut me off. He it will not be good, and I'm just not going to give him everything. And so without giving him everything, you've given him nothing. Because everything's on the table when you've got the veto. Not that, Lord. Can you, do you have anything else I can say yes to? Well, not that either, Lord. Do you got anything else I can say yes to? Well, yes, I can go to church occasionally, or I can give occasionally, or I can't. No, he wants it all. You go, that's a big price. Yeah. It's the, it's the Lordship price. I have that scripture in Isaiah chapter 1. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Hallelujah. I'm reminded as I look at this room this morning, and as I meditated on it yesterday, and as I share with people about River Church, and I don't want to exaggerate, and I certainly don't want to come short, but everybody in here came from somewhere nowhere was, and I don't want to offend you, but if we go back far enough to know everything, everybody came here from a less than wonderful place. And he has prospered you and given you peace and given you understanding and favor and open doors that no man could open. More than anything, he's given you and I an expectation that no matter what comes, we're going to whoop it. We're going to get on top of it. We're going to come around this. You and I forget, because we've been in this a while, how the world actually lives in a dread of the future. They dread the future. What if I, because one out of four people get cancer, what if I get that? And it just, it just consumes them. It makes their blood pressure go up. It makes them do things uh, funny. They, they're afraid to give up to Jesus because they don't think he will take care of them. It's just not true. This room is full of people that have, that have beat the system, as it were, because Jesus was made Lord. Everybody in here has got Jesus as Lord. I wouldn't say that everybody, myself included, has completely given over, but I'm endeavoring, I'm looking to, I'm searching out, what can I do to get rid of me and get him in? Amen? I fail at it miserably. I admit it. I, I fall short of the glory of God in my endeavors. But I always get up and say, I'm on it now. So when we look in Isaiah chapter 1, it says in verse 18, Come now, this is the Lord prophesying through this man. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, 
they shall, he's prophesying, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if ye be willing. So there's an attitude right here. Willing is an attitude, isn't it? It's a perspective. It's, a, it's an overview of your life. Uh, it's not details, well, I would buy this car, or I'd live in this house, or I'd marry this girl. It's an attitude that I am willing. Lord, fill in the check, and I will sign it. If thou be willing and obedient, so we have an attitude and an action. It's not just good intentions. You know, they say in the world that the, the way to hell is paved with good intentions. Everybody's willing, but not much action. But we're people of follow-through. Faith follows through because faith, faith makes plans. If you and I are in faith about anything, we're not waiting for it to happen to make plans. Faith calls the, pl faith calls the thing done and makes plans because it is done. If you're in faith about having a baby, I mean, if you're in faith, you're looking at baby furniture and you're looking at stuff. Well, I just wouldn't want to do that and get my hopes up. Well, you're in something, but you're not in faith, are you? You're in something, optimism or, or uh, whatever, but you're not in faith. Faith makes plans. Well, I don't know if I feel like going to church on Sunday. Well, you're not in faith. You're, you're in something, but it's not faith. Faith just says, I'll be there. Put me down, I'll be there. I'll be sitting on the third row, or I'll be there because faith makes plans. Well, if thou be willing and obedient, that's a faith statement. It says, here it is. This is the, this is, I have come that you might have life. The Old Testament calls it, ye shall eat the good of the land. What's in the land? Well, there's good in the land. Well, I'm not having any of it. Well, if you be willing and obedient, if you get an attitude that says, sign me up, instead of, well, let me wait until Saturday and I'll see how I feel or see what's going on or see who might be coming over or see if we could get tickets to this. I'm just not sure. My plans are soft. No, willing just says I'll be there. We're talking about lordship here. We're not talking about being a good Christian or being at least a moderate or not. We're talking about lordship here where there's a signing over and says, I know God wants me to be in church. I know he wants me to be in the word. I know he wants me to pray. So I'm I'm obedient. I'm doing that. I'm, I've got a plan to read the word. I've got a plan to go to church. Come on, y'all. I got plans. I, my faith makes plans, and I'm making plans. We don't even think. In this room, we don't even think about whether we're going to. We don't even check ourselves and say, I wonder if I feel good enough to go to church. Well, you know, it's a school night. I, we can't stay out on Wednesday. Now I'm going to touch the sacred thing here. Y'all just forgive me in advance. You had to do it all the time. You're used to it. Just pay no attention to me. But school night, school night. If anything else comes up in people's lives and they got school kids, sure, we can make that. It's fun. We, we'll be over. We'll stay. We'll do. But his church like, we got this is school night. I may have a little aversion to that argument about school night. We're talking about the kingdom here. We're talking about the word of God here. We're talking about communion of the saints. We're talking about the family of God, not school night. Listen, everybody in here could check their kids out till next December and just walk into those heathens and sinners and unrenewed minds and just step into their life that's been in school four months and just sit down and already be caught up. Where did all that come from? 
My point is not school kids. My point is, is take the limits off. He's got you covered. He'll, he'll bring man out every morning. He'll, he, your soles of your, your shoes won't wear out. This is the quail will come in and the manna will be on the bush in the morning. He's just got us covered. The, the Red Sea will open. It will open and the iron will swim. The oil will pour until the dead is made. It's just, this is old. God couldn't even talk to these people except from a man come down the mountain and actually talk to them. Thus saith the Lord. But we got him on the inside. I mean, it's like tuned in. Well, this is so grand. We got such a good life. Everything that's not going good in our lives, my life and yours, is because we put a limit on it. Anybody say guilty this morning? It's the truth. Because everything God's doing, he is, there's a pressure on you to put good in your life. He's not just like, well, if you want it, you can come get it. He's actually pressing into the cracks and the crevices of your life and your thinking and the people and things around you to put good in your path, to surprise us with his goodness. It's way better than what we've let him do. Because we limit. We said no. We said maybe. We said, I'll have to check. I'll get back to you. I'm really a little, as a person, I'm a little weary about people's excuses and how it limits them. In one passage in the Word where people said, I can't come to the banquet because I, I've taken a wife and I've bought a team of oxen and I've, I've bought some new land, please have me excuse. The Lord was not happy. And He wants us to be there because of Lordship. And just imagine what He could do. I went to a meeting one time in Birmingham, and uh, that morning, I was in the meeting. It was a special speaker. It was a Tuesday morning or something. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, write Pastor Webb a letter. Because he'd already told me that the Tuscaloosa Church had been given over to three people. He said, I've already promised it. And he, he named them. I knew all three of them. He said, I've, I've already promised it. He said, and they're all in. They're all pressing me. And you are way back. You're from Texas. You're a good boy. But... You're way back. So that morning in the morning meeting, Nancy Dufresne was speaking, and the Lord came on me and said, write him a letter. I'm just talking about being at the right place at the right time, just letting lordship, getting you a plan that'll put you where you want to be versus working and denying. and, 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 and uh. So I wrote the letter, and I, here's what I said. I said, Pastor Webb. I know where I came from. I know I just showed up. I know all these people that are going to get the Tuscaloosa Church have been with you for years and pledged allegiance and, and, uh, and everything. But I'm supposed to have that church. And, uh, but I will not touch it without your blessing, without your okay. I will not go down there and usurp. I will not go down there and check Eric at the time. I will not check him into school thinking you might change your mind. I will wait patiently for you because you are my pastor and I will not touch it. My God is able. Gave him the letter. Well, gave, gave Sarah the letter. She gave it to him. Well, that night in the, in the, in the night meeting, I hope I'm not boring y'all. I'm just telling you my life here and hope it'll help yours. That night in the meeting, I'm sitting there in the, in the honor room or the, the minister's room. After the meeting, we'd all go back and, and eat some finger sandwiches or whatever, and he's sitting across from me, and he's chatting with somebody, and I'm over here, and he, uh, I, had, I had one leg kind of crossed over, sort of, and he reached out and just kicked the stew out of me, just 
wailed on me. And he said this. He said, well, all right then. Just go down there. Just go down there and obey God. He'd set me free. He'd said, go down there and the church is yours. Well, the thing is, is he didn't tell those other three people. He didn't tell them. <laughs> One of them was a pastor that's in this county. So we show up, and we're doing the first service in February of 97. And we go out to eat. We go out to Cracker Barrel. And we walk in, and there's that pastor and his wife eating. What are you doing here? Well, we're, we started the church. <laughs> it wasn't a happy day. <laughs> I'm telling you, but it all worked out. It all worked out. So Jesus is Lord or he's not. It's how far do you want to get and how much do you want to put on the line? It's called faith and let him have control. I'm telling you, he's better than we've given him credit. I could sit here all morning and tell you how I turned it over and where I turned it over to him, just like you could. You could each come up here and say, you know, I have the same story where I let him in and he took over, and it took me to a place that we could not even. It was exceeding abundantly above. It was way out there. Am I telling the truth? And every time we had a blowout, you can go back and take it apart, and you could say, well, I just rushed in thinking, well, that door's open a little, or that's what I want, or that's the way it should go. And then it blows out on you and you go, Jesus wasn't Lord in that situation. Even though I had godly motivations and it was a good thing and it wasn't going to hurt anybody, it wasn't his path and it blows up. And you think the Lord's just going to cover for you. He, he covers for you by getting you a path to come back around. But he doesn't just say, ah, we'll just skip that this time. It blows up. I am the master of the blow up as far as my past. I have blown up big because, you know, I'm in a place where I can blow up big. I, people are, are affected by my blow-ups. So, uh, you shall eat the good of the land. And then he goes on here and he says, but if you, verse 20, if you refuse and rebel. So these same people that he said, if you will do it Jesus' way, he said, but if you won't, I'm going to call it refusing. Look at his language, and rebelling. God does not like the rebel. And even being passive, we become rebellious. Ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So it's not like, I'll take it or it'll just be the way it was. Once the Lord puts it on you and he says, I am Lord and I'm giving you this option, you got to go with him or it's not good. It's worse than it was if you, before he came. Or just check your own life. You don't have to believe me. Just check your own life. If you'll go back and analyze this thing is the truth because the word is there. So he's responsible to take care of me. Now listen to me. When you make Jesus Lord, he becomes responsible to take care of you. Now, if you birth a baby, you and, and mama, you birth that, that little junior, and you bring him home, it is, it is understood that you are responsible to take care of him. Well, he cried all night, so I didn't feed him the next morning or something. No, it doesn't matter if he, if he wails all night. We're going to take care of him. So the Lord is better than that. He's responsible to take care of us. If we make him Lord, he is responsible. But we are responsible to do what he says. So you can see here it's a partnership. He, people say, well, the Lord, they say, boy, Michael, boy." 
And I say, well, uh, it's the Lord. The Lord did it. But then the next thing you have to say is, but you should have seen it before the Lord came on. It wasn't much. The, the Lord needs you. I said, the Lord needs you. We are, the Bible says we are fellow workers with him. We are co-laborers. He can't do it without you. So he's going to direct you and me. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. But the kingdom is where the Lord is. He's moving the kingdom forward. This is a kingdom thing, so don't take it personal. It's the kingdom moving forward. And he wants to bless everybody in the kingdom. He wants your testimony to be, if you'll serve Jesus, you just can't get too much of him. He's coming on strong. I'm telling you, I don't have a lack in my life. And I've been through old Billy. I've been through old Billy. But y'all have no idea, and you couldn't know and you shouldn't know, what it's taken for me to get 22 years this church. You think the devil hadn't fought River Church or whatever? He has sent everything up to blow this thing up. But we're still here, and we're doing good. I'm telling you, we're doing good. We're not just eking along. We're doing good, and I'm doing good. I'm the happiest I've ever been, and I've been through old Billy because I made him Lord. That's the only thing I can say. I'm not smart. I'm not tall. I'm not handsome. There's just so many things I'm not, but I made him the Lord, and he is the great equalizer. He fixes everything. He puts me where I could not be. He makes a way that there could not be. He made a pathway into the sea that nobody knew, it says in Psalms. I am that man. I've, I've road tested this. You can trust the word, but you can trust my testimony. He is good. And every little trouble I've had, and I've had a bunch of them that have come, and it's not me. It's, I don't take it personally. I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm, doing the, I'm in the will of God. I'm right at the right place. The devil can't touch me. And he has whooped up on me. I've had all sorts of health issues and all sorts of troubles and whatever. Back to this. Uh, lordship is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not a Sunday morning. You know, I really feel like going to church. No, not likely. I think Sunday mornings, there's, a, there's an anointing on beds. They've never felt better than on Sunday morning. They are yay, buddy, fry. They are fine on Sunday morning, especially if you ever get up and then come back. It's just the best there ever was. Uh, breakfast never tasted better than on Sunday morning. Fine breakfast. All that stuff. The devil is not after you personally, to tell you the truth. You're not that important. I'm not that important. But he want, what he wants is lordship, because the lordship that he demonstrates in your life, because he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the overflow. That's a big demonstration. I have come that you might have that you might eat the good of the land, that is unusual. That's Nobody's eating the good of the land unless you were born rich. And then you look at their kids, you look at their troubles, and you go, I wouldn't have all that money if that's what it brings. People that are in power politically and otherwise, you go, well, I'd really like to be like them. Really? You want to be Donald Trump? You want to be uh, the governor of Alabama? You want, you want a piece of that? You better come with some stuff. No, the happiest people in the world... Is where Jesus is Lord. And if we want to be governor, we can. And it won't bother us. It won't touch us. Amen. So I've, I've got these. Let, let's finish this up. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 28. 
I'm going to talk about the inferior covenant just for a moment. The inferior covenant. The inferior covenant. It's in Deuteronomy 28. I want to tell you how easy it is to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to tell you, the Lord gave me all this. I didn't get this from anybody. This is, this is, this is him. It says in chapter 28, the inferior covenant says in chapter 28, verse 1, it says, it shall come to pass if, if thou, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So to get direction, to get guidance, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all the commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field, and on and on. So the inferior covenant says that you got to stay on it. You better be listening. You better be paying attention. You better be hearkening. Let's go to the superior covenant. That's in 2 Corinthians. Did y'all get that? There's a lot of doing in that old covenant. There's a lot of paying attention. And if you quit, well, you know, like the Catholic Church, I'm not sure about this. I'll just quote how, how I used to be. If you, miss, if, you miss, if you miss communion, if you miss church in the Catholic Church, there's some degree of danger that that week, if you were to pass out of this world into eternity, you might not make the... You might not hit the, the grand spot. There, it's like if you better hearken this week, and if you didn't hearken this week, you better hope that you, that you stay alive all week till next Sunday. I'm not sure about that, but it's something like that. You all know that? Is that right? It's, it's implied. Anyway, it's implied that you better be on point every week. And I know there's, there's, uh, there's uh, pastors, New Testament pastors, that say if you miss church, you, you are in danger of hell this week. Wow, it's a thin, it's a little thin line. No security of the believer. If you step out of line, and a lot of people are afraid. Oh, I aborted a baby. Oh, I, I said something ugly to my son-in-law, and he, he, all these things that people are like, I, I may be going to hell. That's not who we are. That's not the covenant we embrace. It says in 2 Corinthians, here's one of them, one of them, chapter 8. Where are we? Chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 9. Oh, I love this scripture. This is a covenant scripture. I hope you have a big star by this one. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wait for it. That though he was rich, yet, yet, for your sakes, for my sake, he became poor, that I, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. So here it talks about substitution. This is, this is not me hearkening and obeying. This is me receiving what he hearkened and obeyed. He hung on the cross. He became poor. And in that exchange, he became who I was so that I would become who he is. Totally unfair. Totally spiritual. Totally unprecedented. Nobody can do it. It was his blood. That the Lord honors. So now the Lord's not looking at to me saying, if I'm listening and hearkening and obeying, he looks at the blood of Jesus and said, they're in. It's good. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that'll just cause people to just go berserk. They won't do nothing if they just know that Jesus paid it all and they can just be rich. Well, 
you got to refresh the covenant. We did this morning in our giving. We it rose up and said, we have a legal right to prosper. I have a legal right in the Lord Jesus. He became poor that I through his poverty might be rich. By the way, for all those people that say that means a spiritual rich. No, look it up. It means material goods. It means your car, your house, your mixer. Yeah, your iPhone. iPhones broke, Lord. I became, I became without an iPhone so that you might have one <laughs> or whatever, you know. It, it's, it's inclusive. Turn to 1 Peter 2.24. Come on. Just stay with me just a second longer. You may have to go home and meditate this because this is exceeding abundantly above what you can naturally think. You cannot get this with your head. You cannot make it happen in your head. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Let us reason together, the Lord said. You can't make this work in your head. Uh, it's totally grace. 1 Peter 2.24. You know, this is the other. This is another covenant scripture that says, Who him own self, verse 24, Who his own self, the Lord Jesus, Who him own self, bear our sins, bear, took hold and carried them away, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So it was a completed work. It was a covenant work. He, he wasn't guilty. He wasn't being punished. He wasn't suffering for him, something he did. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why? That we being dead to sin. Were we dead? Is the wages of sin death? We were dead to sin. It had killed us. We had no hope of living life after this life. We being dead to sin should live. So there's a transition there. You who were dead, we've got a special today. You can live. Why is that? Because Jesus shed his blood on the cross that you can live under righteousness. What is living in righteousness? It's life like God lives. It's, it's Zoe life. It's heaven's life. Live like God? How can that be? You can't get around it in your head. You just have to believe it, that heaven is God's plan on earth. The Garden of Eden was God's reflection of heaven on earth. It was just like he wanted. He walked with his son in the cool of the day. It was everywhere. All he had to do was tend. And, and Eden was God's plan. And the devil came and snatched that thing out. And now the world's a mess, isn't it? It's just a mess because Eden was taken away. But the new covenant, the new covenant, we can speak it back into the earth. Well, heaven doesn't have any sin. Well, we've been redeemed from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, the word says. Well, there's no sickness in heaven. By his stripes ye were healed. Well, there's no poverty in heaven. He became poor that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Well, there's, there's, there's no devil in heaven. Charge over the devil. Uh, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We have everything on earth that's in heaven. But you do have to get in faith. In heaven, you will not have to get in faith. You just show up. <laughs> show up. No more faith. No, it's clear. No devil, no lack, no, no sin, no disappointment, no, no shedding of tears, no suffering. Nope, it's all good. Well, down here on earth, it's hard. The way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. The way of the rebel is hard. But the way of the Jesus is Lord is not hard. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you having a hard time? Well, check your rebel status. Maybe we're resisting a little. Maybe you think, 
I don't think you have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you don't. But to learn how to be in faith, you do, don't we? It helps me to go to church. It helps me a lot. Oh, I forgot to read my joke. <laughs> I'll read it at the end. I never have a joke, and when I do, I have to read it because I always mess it up, but I got a joke this morning. Amen. But anyway, we've got to finish this. So the superior covenant is not based on me hearkening and me doing. What have you done for the Lord lately? What are you doing today? It's based on what Jesus did. What a change. So what I have to do now is not, not pay attention to what I'm doing, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's. I get myself in Jesus who's already pleasing to the Lord. I get myself in Jesus where the covenant is. And if I get myself in him and just cast my cares upon the Lord, and I don't care about me, I don't care because Jesus is Lord, and everything is turning out amazing. And everything that's not amazing now is still turning because my life is hid in him. Wow. So I don't have to fight the devil? He's been defeated. Jesus took care of the sin problem. You don't have to think about your past sins. They're cast into him. So my whole job, listen, my whole job is to develop faith to make Jesus Lord, to be found in him. Slam dunk. That takes a lot of the burden off. Lord, I'm going to stop and ask you what you want to do that's glorious and wonderful and magnificent with my life. <laughs> it's worth taking the time because it's only good. It's only great. It's only wonderful. Lord, who, where should I live? Oh, God doesn't care where you live. Really? He might. If the roof falls in and the heater breaks and, the, and you know, he might know more about that house or that car or that whatever. I've bought several cars over the years that, that I personally didn't care for. But there was always a deal. There was always a financing deal because I was financing back then. And there was always, a, it always worked out. We had a black New Yorker in Seminole. It was black. It was beautiful. It looked like a government car. It looked like one of them presidential cars. It was a big black New Yorker. Y'all don't even know what that looks like, but it, it, was the, it was the Cadillac of the Chrysler Company. And this, the company had gone out of business in Seminole, and they had that one car left. And the Lord said, uh, buy it. I'll make it, I'll make it work. And we went in there and said, no, son, we can't do nothing with you. We went to the bank and they said, no, we can't do nothing with you. So we went back there because the Lord said, buy it. And they said, well, we've had a change here and this, that, and the other fell through and we'll sell you this car. And Eric was always embarrassed because we would drop him off at school and they called him G-Money. I don't even know what that means, but they called him G-Money. It's like, here he comes. And we were pastors. I mean, it was hilarious. But we waited till the Lord told us what car to buy, what house to move into. It's a glorious life, y'all. There's nothing like it until we get to heaven. Don't be in such a hurry to go to heaven because it's good, good down here. Amen. Amen. Father, we just yield tonight, today, to this morning. We just, right now, we yield. Lord, everything that I know you've been talking to us about being a rebel, which just means resisting, just means resisting. You said to submit yourselves, therefore. So, Lord, we just, every area of submitting, every area of building our house on the sand, everything of keeping up with the neighbors, everything that our parents says, good people do this and have that, Lord, we just don't care. We're going to change over and have the Jesus life. 
And I want to thank you, Lord. It's already been done. We just have to say yes. So I say yes to you this morning, Lord. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come in and take new control. I give it up. I trust you. I want to do it your way. And thank you, Lord, it's not too late. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would it be carnal to read a joke at the end of the service? But now you got to listen to this joke because it took me just a second and I saw it printed. So listen to this joke. There's an interviewer, an interviewer and an applicant for a job. This is hilarious. Why are you a candidate for this position, the interviewer says. I studied for four years where I never once left the campus. And where did you do your studying? <laughs> Yale. Wow, that's great. We'd be proud to have you here. What is your name? Yim Janssen. Yale? Jail? <laughs> I never left the campus.